the screen? Yeah, good. Okay, great, great. Good morning. Hey, I hope you guys are all having a good weekend so far. Hopefully getting outside some because it is absolutely beautiful outside. Has everyone been enjoying outside? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Now, talking about weekends, I I don't know about you guys, but um, something that I've been finding is that this year is just absolutely flying by for me. Like, wasn't it just Christmas? You know, how in the world are we already in the middle of February? Um, Oh, yeah. Just going, going. I I don't know about you. Actually, as I get older, I'm finding that time is starting to fly by faster and faster. Um, You know, February of 2018 doesn't seem like it was all that long ago. I actually remember the project I was still going on. I remember all the things that I was doing, and suddenly it's 2020, like two years later. And I'm actually finding in life, I'm starting to hit a point where only on occasion do I look up and really see what's going on in life. Like I'm just finding that things are so busy, it's easy to just keep going and going and going. And I'll have to admit, it's actually, you know, on occasion when I start thinking about it, it makes me a little worried that at some point I'm going to look up and I'm going to realize I missed all sorts of things in life. Like my four-year-old's going to be 12. You know, my, I'm going to miss the end years in my parents' life. I'm not going to really make a whole lot of progress in life just because I'm going to be so focused on the going, the doing, the busyness that I'm just going to miss life. And, you know, that's, that's sort of the extreme. But I have been finding lately that I'll look up from what's going on in life and suddenly I realize I've just missed half a month. Like I was just doing, 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 doing and really was missing opportunities that have come my way. Um, you know, it, it's really starting to make me question, like, what is it that I should be giving my life to? Like, how do I know that I'm spending my life well, that I'm using the circumstances that come up well? And I don't know if that's something that you guys have experienced as well. It seems like in our day and age, we're kind of getting into this mode of constant busyness, that we have constant things going on, whether that's work, school, Instagram, whatever it is, we have constant things vying for our attention, and we're just in a state of going, going, going. So do you ever ask yourself that same question? You know, how should I be using my time well? How should I be making the most of it? So I'm not going to find as I get towards the end of life that suddenly my life is gone without me having done anything that I really wanted to do. Or do you find that busyness is really just eating up huge portions of your life? Um, You know, are, are you asking that question? Am I really pleasing God with what I'm doing? Is it really worthwhile? Well, this morning, we're actually going to be continuing a message series that we started two weeks ago called The Good Fight of Faith. And what we're doing in this message series is we're looking at some of the last wisdom and instruction that Paul gave his disciple Timothy. Now, Paul was a man who, at the end of his life, was able to say that he had used his life well, that he accomplished the things that he needed to accomplish. He said that he had fought the good fight, he had finished the race, he had kept the faith. So as, whereas many Christians start the Christian life well, very few actually finish well. But Paul was a man who actually was able to say that he finished, that he did the things that he needed to do. And so his life and his instruction is a really good example for us. It's a good guide to how we also can really live worthwhile lives, how we can make sure that we're accomplishing things that please God and that we're not going to end our days, realizing that we had just gotten lost in a sea of busyness, in a sea of doing. But instead that we can have good, a good lives where, like Paul, we can say that we fought the good fight of faith. So let's go ahead. We're going to just jump right in. 
And we're going to look at what is Paul's instruction to Timothy, you know, about how we should look at what we're doing. How should we evaluate what comes our way? You know, is it worthwhile? Is it not? And so Paul gives Timothy an important lens in which to examine these things in 1 Timothy 1.5. And that says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The aim of our charge is love. So according to this verse, what we are charged to do, what we're commanded to do is aim our lives towards the goal of love. It's what we're to be about. It's the melody that should uh, flow out of the song of our lives. So on any given day in any given circumstance, as we're trying to figure out what it is we should do, whether we're just lost in busyness or whether we're doing things that we need to be doing, we can look. Are we aiming towards the goal that comes from love, a, a love that comes from an undivided heart, a heart that's not not messed up and focused on all different things, you know, a, a clear conscience that's not burdened with sin, and a faith that's sincere in following God. So we're to be aiming towards love. That's what we see here from, from Paul in First Timothy. Now, just because of uh, my translation here, there's an image that has come to my mind for years when I think about this verse, that the aim of our charge is love. And so I, I want you to imagine with me for a second. Can you imagine with me? Yes, you can. Good. I'm glad. Imagine with me an army standing in formation in front of a battlefield. And as their commander yells charge, the soldiers rush in with a mighty battle cry. And their banners are sailing in the wind. You can imagine. I imagine a lot. The banners are sailing in the wind and they're carrying the symbol of their people, their cause. And when you see an army charging into a field like that, you see that they have a very clear aim, a clear goal that's shown by the fact that they're moving unwaveringly forward. Well, so to show this image, in case you're not good at imagining, or just to make it stronger, we're actually going to watch a movie clip. Yeah. So we're going to watch a short clip from The Lord of the Rings. Even better, right? The Return of the King. And so, (laughs) that's right. That's right. And so in this scene, in this scene that's going on in this movie, What's happening is that the city of Minas Tirith, the good guys, are under siege by the orc army of the evil Sauron. So the good guys are under siege by the bad guys. And the city has actually taken huge losses. They're actually at a point where they're, they're pretty much moving to a point of hopelessness and despair. They're pretty sure that they're going to be destroyed, that there is no hope for them. And at that moment, the people of Rohan, which is a neighboring country, show up to aid Minas Tirith and fight the army at the city's gates. So let's go ahead and watch that clip. There's the city. Remove! Take your company right after you pass the wall. Forth and fear no darkness! Arise! Arise! Fight of Theoden! Spears shall be shaken! Shields shall be splintered! A sword day! A red day! And the sun rises!
I know, it's disappointing, but it has to end at some point. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll just watch Lord of the Rings and I won't say anything. Um, so, now in this movie, right, at this scene, what do you see? You see the riders charging into battle and they're shouting the battle cry, death. Pretty cool. And their, their banners are carrying the symbol of the white horse on the green field, which is the symbol of the people of Rohan. But I, I want you to imagine that same scene with a little bit of a few different pictures. First of all, I want you to imagine that as those riders riding in, those thousands of riders, they're shouting the battle cry, love. Love. Right? And imagine that their banners are carrying the symbols of God's love towards us. They're not riding to destroy a foe as they are in this movie, but instead they're riding in to show the love of God in a world that doesn't know it and to rescue those who are imprisoned in the kingdom of darkness. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is what Paul told Timothy, is what, how we need to evaluate our days, what we need to be about. We're to be about love. It's the battle cry of our days. The melody that we should be seeing throughout the choices of our life. Who is it? Um, but is love really that important? You know, are we sure? That's a phone in there, so... I don't know, I guess someone can answer it. <laughs> um... You know, is love really that important? Is this just something that Paul told Timothy about a part of life? Thank you. Um, about a part of life. Is it, is it really something that should we should be looking at as we evaluate our time to make sure we don't get lost in the sea of busyness? Well, Jesus actually shows us how important it is for us to be pursuing love in Matthew twenty two thirty six through 40. So in this verse, Jesus was asked by a man, what's the greatest commandment? What is the greatest thing that God has commanded us to do? And Jesus responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Look at verse 40 there again. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's a huge statement. You know, the law and the prophets were a huge portion of the Old Testament. And in fact, one study that I was reading on this verse said that Jesus here is actually referring to the entirety of the Old Testament. What Jesus is saying is that the previous 2,000 years of history from creation until his coming was showing God's interaction with his people, was showing God's interaction with the nations with the goal of love. Having people love God and having people love one another. This is how important love is. The entirety of the law and the prophets is dependent on us loving God and loving people. So then if we know that God's goal has been to draw us towards love, that is the greatest command that he's given, we can know that as we approach our days with love, we are headed in the right direction. That we can be confident we're not just going to get lost in the sea of busyness. The aim of our charge is love. If we miss out on this lesson, however, we miss a huge part of what God is trying to do in our lives and through our lives. We miss a huge part of what God was trying to teach us through his word in the Old Testament and through the Bible as a whole. So if love is to be the aim of our charge, what does this look like on Monday? You know, what are we supposed to do when we go back to work, when we go back to class? I don't know about your 
coworkers or your classmates, but if I walked into my office and screamed love, like some would think it was funny, but a lot of people would actually be pretty annoyed. Um, so how is it that we show love? How is it that we make love the battle cry of our days? You know, love means so many things in our culture. There's different types of love. We just had Valentine's Day. Um, you know, it's kind of an interesting day, like an entire day devoted to the idea of romantic love with a few things off on the side. Um, we have brotherly love, family love, friendship love. We, we talk about love in so many ways. So what, what does love really look like? You know, we, we even tend to link the idea of love towards how we feel about things. You know, I know I love something when I have strong, good feelings towards it. So I love my wife. I love my son. I love pizza, right? Like two hugely different things with different complexities, but I love both. That's just the way we communicate. So what is love? That can actually become a little confusing. You know, Christ told us in Matthew 22 that we should love others as we love ourselves. So if I think about it from the standpoint of feelings, you know, I don't always have good, strong feelings about myself. You know, sometimes I get pretty annoyed with myself. So then am I supposed to be annoyed with others because that's how I'm, you know, feel about myself? Obviously, feelings aren't the only answer. Well, Disney, which typically their movies, their their animations are focused on romantic love, actually gives a pretty good picture of what love is in the movie of Frozen. So since we watched Lord of the Rings, we're going to watch Frozen 2 because you know what? That's the kind of guy I am. So we're going to watch a clip from Frozen. And in this scene, what's happening is that Anna, who of course is a princess, Anna's lying on the floor um, as she's freezing to death, like actually to dying, after being hit in the heart by an ice bolt. And a wise troll, and yes, that's troll, not a Lord of the Rings like evil troll, like this is a good fairy troll. A troll has told her that an act of true love is the only thing that can cure her and cause her to stop freezing to death. And so in the same sort of confusion that we were just talking about in our culture, she runs to a guy that she has warm and fuzzy feelings for, a guy that she has strong, good feelings to, because she thinks that a kiss from him will save her, that a kiss will be an act of true love because she has good feelings towards this guy. And she believes that he reciprocates that. Well, what she finds out, to spoil spoiler, if you don't want to hear, close your ears, what she finds out is that he actually does not love her romantically or otherwise, but his, the aim of his goal isn't love. The aim of his goal, his goal is power and he is using her to try to get power. And so at the start of the scene that we're looking at, she is laying, dying on the floor, astounded by what's just happened to her. So let's go ahead and watch that clip. (laughs) Anna! kiss i was wrong about him it wasn't true love but we ran all the way here please olaf you can't stay here 
You'll melt. I am not leaving here until we find some other act of true love to save you. Do you happen to have any ideas? I don't even know what love is. That's okay. I do. Love is putting someone else's needs before yours. Like, you know, how Kristoff brought you back here to Hans and left you forever. Kristoff <laughs> loves me? Wow, you really don't know anything about love, do you? So, love. You know, it's interesting here, talking about the way that we talk about love. Here, Olaf gives the explanation of what real love is. And just moments before, he said he loved heat. Again, we use love to mean so much. Um, You know, it's actually, it's also interesting. You know, Anna states that she doesn't even know what love is. You know, her conceptions of what love was had just been shattered. They'd just come crashing down because... You know, her warm, fuzzy, good feelings, her strong emotional feelings had come, had changed in an instant when this guy turned out to be a jerk. But Olaf gives her the answer. Deep, true love isn't about feelings. It's about doing good for others. So while I do love Disney movies, I am very thankful that we are not dependent on them for how we should live. Um, We'd have some pretty interesting lives. Um, So thankfully, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 actually confirms this. If we look at that, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What these two verses do is they kind of act as a practical definition of love. In humility, basically knowing that we are all of equal worth, we need to choose to look to the interests of others, to the good of others before ourselves. So let's look at that verse again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, when you feel like it, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but when you feel like it, also the interests of others. Nope, that's not it, right? Nowhere in this law, in this verse do we actually see any mention of feelings. You know, instead, it's just that we are to choose love. So what about feelings? If the aim of our charge is love, you know, if love is the battle cry of our day, the melody of our lives, guiding what we should do, what do we do when we don't feel like it? When we don't feel like showing love to other people. I don't know about you, but most of the time I feel at best neutral towards most people. You know, I don't have these strong feelings of warm, fuzzy goodness. Um, you know, and in fact, lots of times I can be annoyed, angry, or really cautious of other people. So what about my feelings? Jeremiah 17, 9 gives this good picture of what's going on there. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. God gave us feelings and feelings are really good. They're meant to be a blessing to us, but they're not a good framework, not a good guide guide towards what we should do in life. Typically, when you follow something that's deceitful, you go in the wrong direction. And our heart is deceitful. Our feelings are not telling us always the accurate thing. Instead, as we saw in Matthew 22, Christ told us to love others as as ourselves. So as I said earlier, I'm often annoyed with myself, frustrated with myself. But even in the midst of my frustration and my annoyance, I still look out for my own interests. I still look out for what's good for me. Because... Love isn't about feelings in that case. When I love myself, I'm really just choosing to look out for my own good. Love comes from choice. 
And again, if we look back to Philippians 2, 3 through 4, we are told to put ourselves to the side. In humility, we are to count others more significant than ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's about choosing love. And the story of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7, I'm just going to go through this quickly. It's actually a great example of choosing love over feelings. To give you a brief overview, Stephen was doing all these great things for the kingdom of God. He was really sharing with people what it means to know God and many lives were being changed. Well, the religious leaders at the time didn't like that. And so what they did is they went and grabbed him and take him to court so that they can find a way to punish him. And then they raise up guys to lie about what he's doing so that again, they have grounds in which to punish him. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I would not be having good feelings towards all these people, right? I'd be pretty angry. I'd be really disappointed that my people were doing this to me. I'd be scared. But Stephen doesn't rely on that. Instead, he chooses an act of love, which is in that moment, he shares the gospel with them and helps them to see how everything that they've been doing were leading up to Jesus Christ. Well, what happens is that this just makes the crowd even more angry. And so what they do is they take him outside to execute him by throwing stones at him. So basically they're killing him in a slow, painful way. Now, again, me personally, I would not be feeling too good about all the people that are doing this to me. But what does Stephen do? He doesn't rely on his feelings. He doesn't curse them. But instead, he, he does a true act of love and forgives them. As he's being stoned to death, he yells out to God, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Love is not about how we feel about people. It's about what we choose to do in the moment. If we want to make sure that we're not losing our lives in the midst of busyness, we need to choose love in the moment. And if we look back to Philippians 2, we see the true example of this in Jesus Christ himself in verses 5 and 8. So let's look at that real quick. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So that, that mindset we're supposed to have, we can see that from Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not hold on to the fact that he is God and should be honored above all else. But instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus looked out for our own interests, and even though it led to great pain and suffering on his own part, He pursued what was good for us, which was reconciliation with God. The aim of our charge is love. It's the battle cry of our day, the melody of our lives, informing us what we should be doing. It's not dependent on our feelings, but something we choose. So when we live this way, when we follow the greatest command we've been given by God, we will use our days well. So how is it then, from a practical standpoint, that again, that we make love the aim of our charge? How do we deal with the situations that arise in life? We're going to look at four things. First of all, we can pursue our relationship with God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You know, there's a lot of excitement that comes when we first decide to follow Jesus. But with time, a paralysis can set in where we lose that excitement. We lose that joy of our relationship with God. 
We're called, however, to really love God with our whole human personality, with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, with all of us. You know, we shouldn't just show God love mentally, thinking good thoughts of him, or emotionally, you know, having warm, fuzzy feelings. But instead, we should pursue a relationship with God. Our, our aim should be to love God more today than we did yesterday, and to pursue him just as diligently and just as practically as we would either an earthly father or perhaps our spouse. You know, a great example of this was um, a man known by Max Burnett. Max Burnett told this story in a talk, so I'm going to tell it to you because it's such a great example of really pursuing a relationship with God. This man was a farmer, and every day he would wake up, he would spend time in the word of God, and then he would go out and plow the fields. And as he plowed the fields, he would sit there and think about what he had read that morning. He would think and meditate on God. Then he'd come in for lunch, eat some lunch, and read the Bible some more, and go out and do the same thing the rest of the day. And because of that, this guy really knew who God was and had a great ministry with others. They would come from all around the area to hear this farmer talk about who God is and what it meant to follow him. As we pursue God, we can have a real great relationship with him, and we can really have that battle cry of love. Secondly, we can look to love others by looking for their practical needs of those around you. You know, sometimes when we're talking about love and we talk about loving people, we get caught up in the theoretical idea of how do I love everyone in the world? But the reality is this isn't practical. And thankfully, it's actually not what God has called us to. Instead, God's called us to love the people around us, to see what would be for their good and what would be building up to them. Now, I know this can be a real challenge for me because I tend to live in my own world. I'm really good at imagining um, you can ask my wife, she'll ask me a question and then she'll say, use your words because I will have answered her in my head and then moved on. Um, like I, I just can live in my own head. And so looking for the practical needs of others actually requires looking up outside of yourself and looking to others. It's looking to what their practical needs are, things that will actually benefit and bless their actual day. And again, the examples of this, you know, Christ came down and saved us. And that was a way that he met our practical needs. Sometimes meeting the practical needs of people are huge. But many times it's just the small things during the day. Uh, this week, my wife and me actually had a practical need met that really blessed us. Josh Hickernell texted me one day and said, hey, Sarah Hansen and me would love to come and watch Joshua for you guys, our son, so that you guys can go on a date for Valentine's Day. Now, as a, a part of a marriage, as many of you guys know, it requires time together. It requires really spending time together, talking, really, you know, continuing to pursue a relationship. And that can be difficult with kids and with work and the busyness of life. And so Josh and Sarah put aside themselves, they put aside doing something themselves on Valentine's Day to really give us the opportunity to do that. And that was a real act of love, a real blessing towards us in a small way, looking out for our interests and carrying that out. And some, a thing too important to think of, think back to that movie, right? There's a city under siege, people who are in desperate straits. Well, for some of the people around us right now, that might be the point of life that they're at. They're in a state of hopelessness where they're not sure how they're going to make it to the next day, how they're going to keep going. They're feeling discouraged, hopeless, unsure how to carry on. And when we come in with the battle cry of love and meeting practical needs, 
that may bring them a little hope that draws them towards the love of God. The third thing we can do is we can choose faith over feelings. Choose faith over feelings. Feelings say, what I want in this moment is most important. You know, loving others is great and good and all when I feel like it, but when I don't, you know, why would I do it? I should do what I want to do. And if I, if I choose to love others, how am I going to make sure that my interest, that what I want is taken care of? Well, thankfully God answers this. Proverbs eleven twenty five. whoever brings blessings or whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. When we choose to trust God, to have faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do and seek to love others, God will make sure that we are taken care of. And so we have the opportunity to choose faith, to choose to trust God, and therefore to love others, not giving in to our feelings. You know, and a great blessing here is that when we actually choose to follow God in faith, we'll actually find over time our feelings will follow. Um, I had a personal experience with this with a coach at USC when I was on the football team. Um, my first year on the team, there was an assistant coach who did not like me, really did not like me. And I, I hadn't done anything to incur his wrath. I think really, yeah, I know, incur. Um, I think really what it came down to is I wasn't good enough to be on that football team, like really. And I think he knew that and he wanted everyone else to see that as well. And he did not want me there. And so he would, I mean, this sounds really dramatic, but he would persecute me both verbally and physically during practice. Um, and it was, it was bad enough that the other team, my, like my teammate saw it. We were in a meeting one day and my teammate said to the coach, why do you not like Jonathan? That was a very awkward silence. <laughs> and there was, there was another time when during practice, you know, something occurred where the team, my, the, the rest of the offensive line actually rallied around me and said, we will not let this happen again. Like he did not like me. So you can imagine my own feelings towards him were not the best. Um, you know, but with some advice from others, there came a point when I realized if I'm going to change the way that I think about this guy, I need to start praying for his good and the good of his family. And so I did. I started praying for the good of him and the good of his family. And to this day, when I think about him, I pray for him. And that has actually really changed the way that I feel about this man. I actually really hope that life is going very well for him. I really hope that his, the, the, the dynamic of his family has changed and that they are really pursuing God and having wonderful lives. The aim of our charge is love. And when we act in faith, our feelings will follow in time. The last thing we can do is we can evaluate our choices through the lens in love. Um, you know, life, the challenges, the opportunities we face, you know, they're not always black and white. I love black and white because I don't have to think then. But the reality is so much of life is not black and white. Um, you know, there's uncertainties to come up to as to what should we do. You know, how can we really use our time well? So again, it's not wasted. How can we make sure that we're not just falling into busyness or into other things where we're just not using our time well? Um, well, thankfully, we now can see that there's a lens of love in which we can evaluate our time. So as you're trying to figure out what we can do, you can ask yourself, am I doing this out of love of God and love of others? Or you can ask yourself, does this show the love of God and the love of others? Or to, to, does this show the love of God to others? Does it build up? 
Or is it really just looking out for my own interests? Having that lens of love gives us an opportunity in which to evaluate we do and make sure that we're going in a direction that's worthwhile. The aim of our charge is love, loving God and loving others. It's the battle cry of our day, the melody of our lives, informing us as to what we should be doing. It's not dependent on feelings, but something we choose. And I just, to paint a picture, can you imagine, you know, in, in, that, in that scene earlier, right, of Lord of the Rings, not Frozen. In that scene, right, there's this state of hopelessness. There's this huge army that's just about ready to sack a city. And then you see the army of the Rohirrim come on the hill. And it pans out and you see the thousands upon thousands. And there's a moment of hope. Can you imagine if we all charge into life with the battle cry of love, the great good and the great change that that can, that can have? How many lives could be bought to the light if we choose in the moment to really live out of love? And I said this earlier, but there might be people around you today who are in that state of hopelessness, in that state of fear. And what they need is someone coming to them with the message of love with the practicality of love to help them bring them towards the light. The aim of our charge is love. So as we are trying to figure out, what do I do with my time? How do I make sure that I finish the race well and don't get to the end of my days realizing, realizing it's just passed me by? We can know that we can pursue love and it'll be used well. So the band can go ahead and come back up. I'm going to go ahead and talk about some next steps. Um, and really, we encourage next steps just as an opportunity to really live out what God is speaking to you in life. So I have a few suggestions, or if there's something else that God brought up to you, that might be the best thing to really help take steps in the way that he's working in your heart right now. But here's, here's a couple suggestions. One thing you could do this week is you could do a Bible study on one of the attributes of God just to get to know him better. We're supposed to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so... As we pursue him, we can. Another thing you could do is you can just look for a practical need of someone around you. And then finally, you could also take your schedule for one day this week and evaluate what you're doing against the lens of love. Or perhaps at the end of a day, you can look at what you did do and evaluate it against the lens of love, just so that we can begin to see how that can really help us to use our time well. Let me go ahead and pray as we continue worshiping this morning. God, we just thank you that you are a God of love and that you came down to rescue us, that we have that example of love in our lives. I pray that you would just use us as, as a people with the battle cry of love going into the darkness to show people of the great lives that they can have when they know you. I pray that you'd just help us to use our days well and that you'd be glorified through them. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.